Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to a long overdue episode of FFS Another Brexit Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Richard Brooks. I'm sorry to tell you, dear listener, that both of your hosts are currently sick. We've got a serious case of election fever. <laughs> that was actually horrific. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. Uh, yep, it's another general election. Uh, but unless you've been living under a rock or in David Cameron's shed, you probably knew that already. So UK elections tend to be pretty manic and confusing at the best of times. But politicians will always blunder from public humiliation to gaff over and over again. Papers will always scream wildly contradictory headlines at each other. And the Queen will idly wonder if democracy is a thing that is really all cracked up to be. Voters can feel overwhelmed, and that's where we come in. FFS, another Brexit podcast, gives you insider analysis, takes so hot they'll vaporise your ears, and top-notch, <laughs> g- yeah, I don't know why I said that, and top-notch guests who will give you the lowdown based on years of experience and expertise. I feel like we're a little overexcited to be back on the podcast after a few weeks off. I am guest. Anyway, this week we are joined by none other than the one and only Alistair Campbell, a man who surely needs no introduction and has been making quite the racket in the last few weeks. So join us as we dive into the weird and distinctly unwonderful world of UK politics during one of the most fraught and divisive elections that will decide our futures for decades to come. <laughs> slightly terrifying, Richard. <laughs> Let's look at the entirely normal and sensible uh, week that we've just had in politics. In a move of stunning tactical genius, Michael Gove mocked Stormzy on Twitter. Politicians, of course, are so famously both very competent and universally adored on social media. And so this didn't backfire whatsoever. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, obviously, you know, Stormzy speaks for a generation. Gove speaks for an abomination. Uh, things got worse <laughs> after he genuinely decided to quote some of Stormzy's lyrics back at him, which unsurprisingly, a middle-aged white bloke who once gave Donald Trump a thumbs up was not able to pull off. I can confirm, could not pull it off. <laughs> you are loving this, aren't you? So I'm assuming the Michael Gove then laid low for a week, did he? Uh, no, he did not, dear <laughs> listener. <laughs> uh, no, wait he should have but um, unfortunately uh, I guess the Conservatives must have quite a serious gap in their roster So what you mean Jacob Rees-Mogg was dropped for being slightly too explicit in his contempt of poor people Exactly so there's a large double-breasted dickhead shaped hole in the lineup. Uh, <laughs> you remember for instance that Johnson didn't go to the Channel 4 climate change debate last week 
Indeed, and they replaced him with an ice sculpture that gradually and slowly melted over the course of a couple of hours, thereby summarising his environmental policies more accurately and succinctly than he ever could have in the first place. That's the one. Well, Johnson realised that if he was too cowardly to face up to the public scrutiny, he could just send someone else with no sense of shame or dignity. <laughs> so he had quite a large roster of people within the Conservative front bench uh, to choose from. Usually this would have been Rhys Mogg, but because he's been in the naughty corner... Being watched by his nanny, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Johnson sent out Michael Gove and, in quite a weird twist of fate, his own dad, Stanley Johnson. (laughs) Ah, imagine sending your dad. I'm assuming they behaved reasonably, obviously. Uh, Nope. Uh, Gove demanded to be allowed to represent the Conservative Party in a debate when it was pointed out that he wasn't the leader of the Conservative Party. He then said he was a leader and that there wasn't any point debating prepositions. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So he is aware that the and a aren't exactly prepositions, but articles might seem pedantic, but I kind of expect that for a former Minister of Education to know the basics of English grammar taught at GCSE. Yeah, I mean, I don't either, to be fair, but I wasn't the Education Secretary, so (laughs) I shouldn't have to. Um, Well, Johnson's dad was quick to say in an interview the next morning that he didn't think much of the British public uh, in terms of their ability to spell, uh, saying that they couldn't uh, spell the word Pinocchio. So maybe his faith in Gove's time as Education Minister was shaken as well. Right, let's let's move on from the dismal displays from Tories this week. Uh, Let's turn to FFS appearances in the media. Some of our more dedicated listeners will know FFS has recently gone independent to fight in this general election due to the weapons-grade shithousery, thank you, secret barrister, of Roland Rudd and Open Britain board. Uh, This has led to some amazing public support from seasoned political uh, operators, including Tom Watson uh, and Betty Bruthroyd, who is a personal hero of mine, uh, both of (laughs) whom wrote fantastic pieces that appeared in The Evening Standard and The Independent, respectively. BBC Politics Live programme was interested to see what we were doing now we were free and featured us in a segment on Friday. Check it out on Twitter for some delightful footage of Richard and the team trying to look as normal as possible in our wonderful new offices in Tech Hub. Uh, Trying and failing. Um, And if you're not going to mention it, then I will. Uh, Amanda was on BBC Radio 5 Live tearing into the Conservative (laughs) Manifesto. Very well done on that, BTW. Fine, I think I need to remember sometimes I should have a filter. Anyway, Kathleen Clark, one of the amazing new team we've brought on board for the general election, was fantastic on Sky News too. She talked about the historic surge in young people registering to vote before being mysteriously cut off by a power cut in the Millbank studio. Does anyone know where Dominic Cumming was at the time? <laughs> we can only guess, but my bet would be that he was in his basement furiously typing Boomer Vitarol on his blog, which was taken seriously by the kinds of people who think training civil servants in jiu-jitsu was a pretty good idea. Maybe we should train our activists in jiu-jitsu. What do you think? All right, let's not give the mobilisation team any ideas. And now is the moment everyone's been waiting for. Everyone. everyone literally everyone has been everyone. waiting with bated breath for in this In the bit. world. Uh, so I'm very happy to introduce Trump. our guest for this week. Macron. Already interrupting, which is a brilliant start for how this is going to go. Um, one of the UK's most notorious spin doctors. Oh, get off. Or Move the, on. Most, Move the on. most notorious one. Move on. Moving on, all right. He's kindly agreed, just, to come on our little old podcast to ta- talk to us all about the general election, tactical voting and everything in between. So welcome, Alistair. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Richard. Hello, Alistair. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Our first question is the same one we always ask our esteemed guests, which is if you could give an FFS award to someone who's done something ridiculous in the context of Brexit, who would it be and why? Uh, Can I give a few? Of course you can. Right. It would be to several people that I've met this week. It was a woman in Rossendale 
which is such a Labour Tory Mm. marginal, who said that she can't stand Corbyn, she can't stand Johnson, therefore I'm voting Lib Dem. Um, And I showed her a map, a little Venn diagram of the last election in Rossendale. It's like all blue and red with a little sliver of yellow. So I was able to point out, and I think I persuaded her, that she's actually got to make a judgment about whether to she wants Boris Johnson to get a landslide. Um, so I met quite a few people like that this week, and, and, I, and I really do think that, you know, I can, I'm free to say this now because I'm no longer a <laughs> Labour Party member. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm free to say this. I don't believe Labour can get a majority in this election. Mm-hmm. Um, I do fear that if we're not careful, Johnson could get a very big majority. And uh, the other FFS award, if I can, yeah, yeah. the person who wrote their manifesto, uh, there's a bit in the manifesto which Charlie Fortner pointed out to me, which is essentially saying that they're going to look at the whole judicial system, they're going to look at virtually the total way our country is run, and there's a little line in there mm. that I think in future they will take as a mandate to yeah. make any change they want. So I think we've got to be very, very careful. And to so be clear, we mean the Conservative manifesto, just to be clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw that too. But it doesn't seem to have cut through. No one really seems to have picked up on that. No. Well, not in no. Charlie Fortner did. And yeah. I, fact, I saw him, I think he was on Newsnight or somewhere. And somebody yesterday said, can we please get page 48 trending? It's Francis <laughs> on page 48 <laughs> of the manifesto. But it's like sort of, you know, you should have a look at it. It's, re- it's, it's quite... And I, I got I got a bit of a grief the other day. I was doing this talk and I said, look, you know, I know we think Johnson's a bit of a joker and a bit of a clown or what have you, but I, I can see similarities to the way Orban worked in, in Hungary. You, you, you don't... People, people... I wrote a piece for GQ a while back about um, a conversation I had with Tony Blair where I was saying that there are too many parallels with the 30s right now. And he said, oh, for God's sake, stop this sort of Trump-Hitler thing. And I, and I said, I'm not saying Trump's Hitler. I'm saying there are a lot of parallels with the 1930s. And one of them is this kind of strong leader shtick, allied to populism, allied to coming out of a crash, allied to people not liking experts anymore. And before you know it, you've got, dare I say it, people shutting down Parliament. Yeah. You've got people who are elected Prime Minister who don't think it's a bad idea to lie to the Queen. Yeah, I was about to say that one too. Right. Yeah. All th- you've got people who say... Uh, TV stations that put up ice sculptures, let's just review their license. I mean, that's how it all starts. So I am really, really worried about this election. Um, And I know, I totally get why people say, yeah, but if I do that, that means Corbyn could be Prime Minister, and I don't want that either. I get why people say that. But I just don't think that's going to happen. Corbyn and Swinson are not going to get a majority. Okay. So before before we talk about tactical voting, I'm just going to rewind slightly... And it's a little bit painful for everyone in the room, but to the implosion, public implosion of the People's Vote campaign, which obviously you were a big supporter and I think could have had, I mean, I would say this, but just a huge impact on this election. And probably we'd be in quite a different space now if it was still operating at full capacity. But what would you say to someone or what have you been saying to someone who was a massive supporter of the campaign and has just lost all hope, completely lost all hope? Um... I mean, it, implosion is the right word. And, and I actually, I think there's two things here. The first is, I actually think that if the parties in Parliament had held out, had not fallen into Johnson's trap of having the election in the way that the Lib Dems did and the SNP did and eventually Jeremy Corbyn felt he had no choice but to follow, I, th- I think if we'd have had a, cr- going through Christmas into the new year with Johnson just sort of, you know, people seeing him more and more the 
bullshit, the bluster, the lies and all the rest of it. I think we could have held out and I think we could have got to a situation where the only basis on which he got his deal through was, was, was attached to a referendum. Anyway, that's history. But I do think that, I think it was um, Martin Fletcher in the New Statesman said that when the history of Brexit is written, there will definitely be a chapter on how it came to be that one of the most successful political movements there has been, one of the fastest growing, was literally removed from the pitch by the person who swans around his swanky dinner parties as its chairman, yeah. Roland Rudd. And I'm afraid, you know, always in these situations, you can always say it's never down just to one person. It's always sort of a bit of this and a bit of that. And, you, you know, I can buy some of that. But ultimately, this was about Roland Rudd. Uh, and do you know what's really weird? I mean, I've honestly tried to think through his motivation. And I still... <laughs> I struggle with this. I still cannot <laughs> quite understand. I mean, Fiona, by the way, is convinced he's a sort of, you know, he's working for the other side. <laughs> my so mum so thinks uh, <laughs> I was about now, to say, so there are, my friends are convinced on that too. I'm not one of life's conspiracy theorists, but... Um, and uh, who was it? One of the Brexiteers. Was it Andy Wigmore, who sort of regularly sends me <laughs> messages on Twitter? And he's actually quite funny. Um... But he, you know, he t and it was Richard Tice, I think it was. Oh, he was, God. He was yeah. <laughs> I do have some very strange acquaintances on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. But I think they were sort of saying, you know, oh, you know, Roland Rudd, clearly one of us kind of thing. Now he's, you know, uh, so I just can't work out his motivation. Mm. I should say, just in case you get sued, I don't believe that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. However, I, so I think it was the most extraordinary act of whether it's narcissism, and it kind of, you know, he must understand he's done massive damage to his own reputation. Do you think he gets it? Do you think, do you, do you I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know, because for fairly obvious reasons, I haven't spoken to him for a while. All right, shocking. Um, but what would you say, go on, to someone on the doorstep who came on all of the marches, who donated to the campaign, yeah, signed every petition, every email, what would you say to them now where they just kind of like, you know, no, fuck it, I'm not going to vote. None of them are going to deliver a people's vote. John's no, going to get a I, I, Well, funny, I've, I've met some people like that, but actually I, I find that those people who did donate, who did go on the marches, they're still as committed as ever they were. Okay. Um, so I've met lots of people like that. I've met some who've sort of said, you know, you lot have kind of fucked it up and, and what have you. It's one of those things that... And it, what, what's tr you, as you said, I think the people's vote... For example, you take this whole tactical voting thing. Mm. Now, it's definitely having traction. Mm -hmm. It's definitely yeah. getting through. But if we'd have been on the pitch day one, I think it could have become one of those campaigns where you went... And I know it always goes to the parties when you get into the campaign. But I think you'd have had a sense of, of the, the media sort of saying, OK, right, we've done Labour, we've done Tory, we've done the Lib Dems. We better get the people's vote reaction as well. Yeah. I think we were at that stage yeah. of yeah. getting to that and literally taken off the pitch. Yeah. And since then, you know, some of the stuff... The, the kind of continuing hounding of some of the staff, uh, the constant, you know, and I'd love to know whether this is kind of money that these people have paid for that he's using for his swanky lawyers and all the rest of it, or whether it's coming out of his, his, uh, his Finsbury stuff. Mm. But, you know, going after individuals, uh, going after, you know, and, and not, I mean, I, I had a, as you know, Amanda, I had a, uh, an ongoing row with Rudd and with Anne Wayman because I remember when they finally accepted that you lot weren't going to work with Patrick Hennigan, who he'd appointed as the kind of interim CEO. Um, and Anne Wayman put out a statement saying that, you know, and Patrick, it was almost like he'd done this sort of heroic thing. I've got no animus against Patrick, by the way. I just think he was being used. But 
what happened then was she said that, you know, we're giving him full mental health support. Fine. I work a lot in mental health. So I sent her, I, I wrote to her and said, okay, that's really interesting. What mental health support are you giving to the staff who you're just lock, locking out the building? What mental health support are you giving to these young women who have yeah. stood up in front of others and said some, you know, I think quite courageous things? Um, answer came there, none. Kept pressing and eventually, oh, we're in the process of finalising a contract with some kind of mental health company. In other words, nothing. In mm. other words, they hadn't even thought of it. So all that going on at a time where they're all posing as like, you know, we really believe in these kind of European health and employment, you know, yeah. standards yeah. And, and all the rest of it. So, no, I've sort of moved on in terms of the campaign because, um, but, I, but I, I find it is, look, I've met a few grim people in my time mm. and I've met a few people who you can't trust in my time. But this guy is on a level of his own, I'd say. Um, yeah. I mean, not quite Mugabe, but, you know. And on that note, <laughs> Jesus. Um, so let's let's look forward then. So in terms of this general election campaign, obviously, as Amanda talked about, you know, we're, we're probably in a different space in terms of campaigners for a final say referendum. Yeah. You, you referenced earlier, and I think that's right, that there is absolutely traction for the idea of tactical voting to stop a Johnson landslide. G- give us a sense of how you think that's playing out on the doorstep, knowing that you're doing lots of tactical voting activity across the country. Give us a sense of, when you speak to journalists and other people in the media, what what people think is going to happen if we can deliver proper tactical voting activity. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I think, I think, in a, um, I think the media are probably more interested in this than a lot of the public, <laughs> yeah. and that is a problem. Uh, um, so, for example, I went to the Burnley Man City game the other day, which was a bit depressing, um, but I spoke to a couple, few people who live in Rossendale and Darwin, mm. which is mm. an absolute yeah. Tory Labour marginal. There's no way that's going anywhere else. And it was like, and I get this. I met um, somebody who really doesn't like Johnson, really, really, really doesn't like Johnson. Historically voted for us, new Labour, uh, but historically more Tory than Labour, but really doesn't like Johnson. But then she said, but I can't vote for Corbyn. I can't vote for Corbyn to be Prime Minister. I just can't. And, you know, a lot of the usual stuff. Don't understand the policies, too left-wing, don't think he stands up for Britain. Uh, you know, yeah. you, basically thinks he's kind of facing both ways on Brexit. All that stuff came out. And I said, look, I, under- I do understand that. I really do understand that. But you, in the end, you've, you've kind of got to believe me that he's not going to win. Now, that's, that's a really difficult message to say. So vote for somebody because they're not going to win. It's not a really good message. But no. I think that's what we're in. We're in kind of least worst territory. So I think you've got where people, all the people who come on the marches, or a lot of the people who come on the marches, mm. they, I, I think because they're so into the issue, right, I think they get this instinctively. Yeah. Right. Hold your nose. I don't like Corbyn or I don't like Joe Swenson, whatever it is. But if you live in uh, Eastern Walton, yeah. Right. And you're a Labour Party member. Yeah. Right. It's hard if you're a Labour Party member to vote anything but Labour. But if you're a Labour Party member, unless you vote for Monica Harding, the Lib Dem candidate, you're going to get Dominic Raab. Imagine in what might be a quite miserable night. Imagine at least some pleasure. <laughs> right. In seeing Dominic Raab <laughs> taken out. Rob. Or, Smallest or, of silver linings. <laughs> or in Chingford. Duncan Smith. Yeah, and you get Fazio instead, yeah. Where only the Labour candidate can win. So if you're a Liberal Democrat member there, or a Green, and I, listen, I get this because I know what's going to happen. Somebody else said, said this to me, which I thought was really interesting. This was in Putney. 
And I think my sense in Putney was it started off as a three-way marginal, genuine. Mm-hmm. I think it's moved now to being Tory Labour. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And so, and I think Fleur, really good candidate, and I think she'll be great, and I hope she wins. But I met somebody there who said, yeah, but listen, I'm a massive Remainer like you are. I voted Labour last time against Theresa May to stop Theresa May getting a landslide. And what happened afterwards, both parties said 80% of us voted for Brexit. I'm not falling for that one again. So I think it's complicated. Yes. Mm. And I think, you know, it is a difficult message, this. It's, um, I, I don't think it's simple. You're basically saying to people, vote for somebody, vote for a party that you don't really believe in, that you don't like the leader very much, because he can't win. Yeah. That's not straightforward. No, absolutely. Now, it happens, I think, to be true. Um, but look, in a, in a, this is what's so tragic about this whole situation. In a healthy democracy, people would feel positive and comfortable and confident about voting for something, right? Now, you can vote for the Tories and you're voting for a lie about getting Brexit done because you're not going to get Brexit done quickly. You're voting for them saying that they're then, then going to focus on health, education, housing, etc. Well, they've done a pretty grim job of that in the last 10 years, and I'm not persuaded that, that Johnson remotely cares enough to, to make that his, his proper priority. Or you can vote for, if you're not a Labour, natural Labour voter, you can vote for somebody who says that they're going to, you know, give you this and give you that and spend on this and spend on that. But let's be honest, there's a bit of a niggle at the back of most people's minds. Well, where's that going to lead? So we're in least worst option. Mm. We're in least worst option territory. And that is not a happy place to be. So I think if I had one, I've been in different parts of the country. I do think there's a sense of people just sort of, Yes, they're fed up, but a lot. I think people are scared as well. I think there's just a sort of where is this going? And and it, you know, I've always been able to feel, even when I was a journalist under you know, and Thatcher was prime minister, I've always been able to have a sense, even if your opponents are going to win. Mm. I've, I kind of had a sense about where the country's heading and where they're trying to take it. I think at the moment I don't have that sense. And my big worry is that if Johnson does get a big majority he's going to take his country in a very dangerous direction. And if you think about it, you've seen how bad he is with a very little amount of power Yeah. in a hung parliament, majority relying yeah, on other parties. Just imagine what he's like with a blank if he check. gets a, huge, a blank check. Yeah. yeah. There's a real danger. That's what we're giving him. So, yes, you say, I'm fed up. I've met these people. I met them. There's a couple of guys at the football on Saturday. Say, oh, I'm sick to death of it. All year, man, is Brexit. At least Johnson's going to get it done. You know, so they've got a message mm. and it's getting through, but they're not going to get it done. No, no, it's just one of probably one of the bigger lies that will come out when in five, ten years' time it's still going, it's still going, it's still front page, blah, blah, I blah. Know, but they'll be moving on to the next set of lies then. Yeah. So I think my thing with tactical voting, and, and I have no idea how based in reality this actually is, it kind of feels like it's actually cut through in some places. So Rob's constituency, definitely, Canterbury. Definitely. But I would argue in places like Putney, it's kind of on the edge of, oh, maybe, maybe. And actually, you might end up with an even weirder set of results than if it had 100% cut through, if that, if you get what I mean there. Well, I, th- I think you're right what you said earlier. If, if the People's Vote campaign had been you know, operating as it had been uh, up to the point of the election when Roland Rudd decided to blow it up, then... I agree with you. I think it would have cut through more quickly. But it's interesting. I've just been looking at some polling which came through yesterday. It's definitely cutting through. And fairly sizable numbers in quite important places 
are saying that they're doing it. Mm. Um, now, what happens has to happen in the next few days is that, that, that the sense of that grows. Um, but it's a, I've never known a, a political landscape quite like this, uh, where you literally are... I mean, I, I, there's a thing on the telly um, today, Ken Clark and I, doing a thing for they're doing this thing for the BBC election blind dates it was actually in Putney <laughs> so you don't you went on a you, blind date with Ken Clark I did, in Putney yeah, you don't know you, all you know is it's going to be somebody who is from a different party right so I thought it was up. quite fun to spend a time with yeah it was it was, good for, it was good I thought it was going to be Michael Heseltine that I said on the way you do realise he and I be campaigning yeah. together this is not going to work and then I thought it was William Hague okay and then I, then I walked through the door and there was Ken Clark but it was Anyway, we had a very nice lunch, and we had a very nice time. We had a very good chat, but it was pretty extraordinary. I mean, I've like most people, I've kind of, I mean, I'm what sixty two, and he's I don't know, in, probably into his mid late seventies. Yeah, I don't know. Is, so yeah. he's so he's been a kind of political figure, like all of my life, mm. Mm. and certainly all of your lives, and <laughs> you know, and it's just incredible. So we're sitting there reflecting on the fact that he is not considered to be a Tory. Yeah. by his party. I'm not considered to be Labour by my party. And we were sitting there in Putney where we were sort of saying that, you know, we, we, we were both talking about tactical voting. I He didn't quite say it, mm -hmm. but my sense is I'm not persuaded he's going to vote Tory. Um, Jesus. And, I've even, and I wouldn't be surprised if in the European elections he didn't. Um, and it's just, I think, it gives you a sense of just what a kind of changed world we're in. Clearly, has very little time for Boris Johnson. You know, he's I think he's made that clear. Yeah, yeah. such <laughs> a clear view as well about you know, and and like me, the one thing I've been, as you know, campaigning for the, the uh, a new referendum. I actually share his view. I hate referendums. Yeah. Um, but I, I, the reason why I think the Lib Dems have actually, I think the start of their kind of mini implosion, actually was moving to revoke. Yeah. Mm. I think if you, if something happens on the back of a referendum, I think it's very, very hard then to say, oh, well, we just, we just sort of, you know, get a Lib Dem majority, which was a ludicrous concept anyway, and we, and we revoke it. And also the thing that I really disliked about it, I don't know whether they'll keep this on the B, but I said this, what I really disliked about it was that it played into Johnson's argument that you can resolve Brexit through a general election. Yeah. yeah. In my view, you shouldn't. Um, so Ken and Ken, I think, has moved a little bit on the referendum. That if it was the only way of resolving this, um, and I think that the other argument against that, that sort of is playing against tactical voting against hung parliament is is this sort of you know we're in the mess because of the chaos and won't it just create greater chaos? And to some extent, yes. Mm. Mm. But actually, I think the country has to face up to the fact that this isn't the sort of Tory Labour argument that's damaging our politics. It's Brexit yeah. itself yeah. that's damaging our politics. You mentioned the Lib Dems. If you were in charge of like Lib Dems, comms policy, general election strategy, whatever now, what would you be doing now? Because it's not going brilliantly. I'd, I'd, I'd be retreating to what they do and have done historically, which is to focus on seats where they're in with a shout and really, really work on it and work it locally. So I think that... So your Cheltenham's and places like that yeah, in the exactly. southwest, I think you as well. Go, go, don't, don't, I think they... Right, so the, I think the revoke thing was a mistake. I think it was a mistake for Joe Swinson to be so sort of vehement. Uh, I mean, look, I'm not Jeremy Corbyn's biggest fan, but the fact is, if the numbers fall so that Jeremy Corbyn 
is has got the the right, if you like, to try to form a government. You can't sort of just sort of say there are no circumstances in which I'm going to even consider that. Yeah. Um, I think that was a mistake. And then I think the the third mistake was to launch the election campaign on the basis, you know, I am standing here to be your next prime minister. I think that people just looked at that and thought, well, that's a bit weird. Mm. Uh, so I think they've got, you know, they're 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 not in a, they're not in a great place. I also think, by it was really interesting that last week, Labour sort of saying they're recalibrate, and I don't know if it's true or not, but the BBC ran this thing that you know they recalibrated yeah, their strategy to the go north, for leave yeah, seats yeah. in the north and what have you. Send Ian Lavery on yeah, a bus yeah, on a tour. Yeah, yeah. Ian and, and, out there. That'll win it for yeah. you. <laughs> and honestly, the I, th- this is uh, this polling shows this that the Labour, insofar as Labour's being held up, it's because of the squeeze on the Lib Dems. Yeah, it's actually because of more remain-minded people saying, well, at least you might get a referendum with Labour. Um, and, and up north, I mean, I was talking to a, a North Eastern MP the other day uh, who said that on the doorstep, yeah, Brexit comes up, but it's about a factor of two out of ten. Mm. Corbyn, he says, is eight out of ten. Um, and he says that's a real fight. Yeah. It's a real fight. A lot of yeah. our friends are in Stoke. And they say pretty much the same yeah. ratio. So all of them, central, north, everything. Mm. It's the Corbyn for every, mm. maybe twice for every time you then get like a And Brexit what I one. think is going to, what, what the, if Labour lose and lose badly, you can see they're already starting to sort of try and frame the argument that, oh, well, we got pushed into being too remain, blah, blah, blah. I really think that is for the birds. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think, agree. You shouldn't have I been dragged there kicking and screaming, if yeah, anything. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think, I think that. I think I think what Brexit does as well is it it sort of you see if you if you when you're in an election campaign you've got to pursue your own strategy and you've got to you know really focus on that and that's what you want people to be talking about but you've also got to demolish your opponent's strategy mm. yeah and get Brexit done it's not a strategy it's a message and because Labour don't want to talk about Brexit they've sort of just let okay, them get okay, away yeah, with yeah. that. Mm. And you've and, and like within the debate I and mean, the TV debates have been so depressing because this is like still the biggest issue, and yet it's it's barely featured. I know they've talked a lot about Brexit, but they mm. actually haven't talked about the deal. Yeah. yeah, they haven't talked about that much about what's going to happen afterwards. Yeah, no, completely. It's I thought the TV debates have been they've been boring as well. Some of them, like there's been one or two moments of like. Oh, you know, they're having an argument. I guess that's interesting. But broadly, it's just you have one person stands up and says NHS, NHS. Another person ignores that, stands up and says, get Brexit done, get Brexit done. Yet someone else stands up and says, revoke. Yes, we're sorry for the coalition. And it's just mm. like you could just predict them one after the other. It's funny, when the, the seven-way one where Richard Bergen stood in for Corbyn. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't even. Rishi, Rishi, I can't even Rishi remember his Sinek. name. Rishi Sinek, yeah. Stood in for, for uh, Johnson. And Fiona and I were sitting here watching it, and I, I, I promise you, when the questions come up, I was giving their answers. <laughs> I was sitting here saying, and, I was, and not quite often, it was word for word. Word for word, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew what they were going to say, <clears throat> and you know, and and it's just depressing. And you know, I get people saying, "Oh, were well, you lot are responsible? You did all this sort of message discipline, blah blah blah." Yeah, we did do message discipline, but it didn't mean just say the same thing like a robot again and again and again. It meant campaign on a message and campaign on a strategy. Yeah, and sound like you believe what you mean in for half of the people on the stages. I don't, when they say it, I'm kind of like, do you really, like Richard Bergen, do you really believe in giving the people a final say? No, not really. You're not campaigning for it. That's not, 
message discipline. I don't necessarily think Rishi believes everything he says either. I, just I think, think he's got I mean, quite look, a I think that's story. fine. Look, once you're into a campaign, collective responsibility and all that. But I think the point, my my point is actually that I think the media's complicit in this as well because I think they play the game in terms of this. It's all about the slogans. I thought even yesterday, right? I mean, okay, Trump. I'm sure, I know Trump's a big figure in politics, and the NATO summit's important. But like last night, we're out a week from the election. And it was all about body language between the leaders and whether they were laughing at Justin Trudeau. And I'm yeah. thinking, this is just like, it's, you know, this is politics as showbiz for ugly people. It's just not. <laughs> I've actually found myself now switching off the coverage. And so if you're that, switching that, off, what I'm do you think a lot of people coverage, are doing? What, so, yeah. so can I ask you then for... In terms of um, for all of the people that we're talking about, either potential supporters and uh, for people who sort of adhere to our arguments, th- this podcast is going to be released six days from polling day, right? Yeah. What are the two or three things they can do in the run up to that polling day? Are there uh, is it research something? Is it go to an event? Is it campaign in a certain place? What would you what would you advise people well, to I, do? I I always say that you know people have to do what they can do. Mm. So if you really really care about it, if you, if you're just trying to work out how to vote. Right. That's fine. That's a perfectly good thing to do. Mm. And what I say to people like that is um, if you if you're motivated as we are by Brexit, then just work out who is the best candidate there to beat the Tory. That's it. Um, And that means that probably in most parts of Scotland, you're going to be voting SNP in most seats in England and Wales. uh, You're probably going to be looking at. Uh, voting Labour, yeah. so there's going to be a lot of noses being held in a lot of parts of the country, and in in some seats you're going to be looking at voting Lib Dem, and in you know very very small number uh, Plaid and, and and Green. Yeah. Although I, I, I don't, find, I'm, I'm not as plugged into Wales as I as have I'm to ask you, Kensington, who should people vote for? In your well, think, your opinion, who should people vote okay, for? Okay, and and on that, you see, Kensington's classic to me, where <sighs> I think if there'd been a bit of national leadership. Yeah. On this. Yeah. Um, I think it's a very, very hard one to call. Um, and look, if you're either of the Lib Dem or Labour candidates, you probably do think you're in with a shout. But mm. the chances are that by next Thursday, neither will be in with a shout and, and you'll let the Tories in. So I think that's one where people have got to feel it towards the end. And it will, I think it will probably become reasonably clear i've not been i have been there but i've not been there for a while i don't know putney's example interesting example for example when i when i first started looking in putney i thought this feels really three-way okay uh and it was only later that i sort of you saw and it wasn't just the polling it was sort of talking to people and it was i got the sense it was and they're both really good candidates that's the other tragedy in this you know I'd rather have either of the Lib Dem or the Labour candidate rather than this sort of hard Brexit Tory who's going to replace who's replaced Justin Greening. Yeah. So I think so. I think it's so like for example, I did this thing this week where I um, I, did, I wrote these two letters, uh, one to Labour supporters in Tory Lib Dem marginals. Yeah. And one which I don't think the Labour Party will use, although some might use it locally, and one to. Lib Dem supporters in Tory Labour marginals yep. mm. say back the party that can beat the, beat the Tory, um, and it's I, I do recognise the, the the difficulties in that for people, but I think it. What was interesting was that when we talked, the Lib Dems took it up immediately. Well, yeah, right? yeah, and <laughs> not surprising, and, right? And then they said the, the the list of seats where they would like me to send that, and some of them I wasn't yet. Um, and, and, and I might not be convinced at any point, but Kensington was one of them. Wimbledon was another one. Mm. 
uh, Hitchin and Harpenden was another one where I just wasn't sure. Mm. Um, but, the, but most of them, it's obvious. So if you're motivated by stopping the Tories, understand why that is so important. Um, and then in terms of getting involved, you know, I do think that this is going to be an election. It's going to be it's going to be cold. It's going to get dark early. You know, if if you want to get involved, then just, you know, go and find the party, the candidate and say, what can I do for you? Yeah. When's your big campaign day, etc. Yeah. And, 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 and on the day, I think it is going to be a sort of I think people can have to, you know, let's be honest, there's no great enthusiasm. Um, so people know it's an important election. Mm. I've been surprised how many people I've met have said, I, I'm so, I'm so hating this that I'm not sure I'm going to vote. Uh, so turnout will be very, very interesting. And then I think the other thing is, you know, yes, events are important, but I think you're into the, you're into that space in a campaign now where a lot of people have already voted. Mm. A lot of people have already decided mm-hmm. what they're going to vote. It's about finding the ones who are still unsure. Yeah. It's about persuading them. So, you know, and, and every, you know, I know this is a really terrible cliche, but that thing about every single vote counts. I was in Bury the other day with James Frith, hmm. and I can't remember the numbers, but, you know, if you go through the history of that constituency, I mean, it's been very, very, very tight. Yeah. And so you've got to, if you really care, you've got to get out and do what you can do. Excellent. Um, any final thoughts from you, ACC? No, but I'm interested to see who you end up on in Kensington. So I'll get in touch next week. <laughs> we'll I, just, I just find that seat fascinating and also a bit heartbreaking that current trajectory it's going to end up with a Tory, mm. which I just think is genuinely quite heartbreaking for that mm. seat in particular. But I, I also quite think interesting who goes I mean, on your way. FFS, by the way, uh, mm. your award, Uh-oh. another one I thought of was <laughs> uh, somebody in Chipping Barnet. Mm-hmm. Tory Labour, yeah, yeah. Mm. Emma Weissel. sent me uh, a picture of a leaflet they just got through the door. What it says is the choice is simple, hey. Trump Brexit in blue or stop Brexit Lib Dem. Then it says at the bottom, Labour are out of the race. I mean, and that is, that that is, is just so a lie. <laughs> that, that is, is literally so just untrue. a lie. And so I sent I, the persons, the people that I've been dealing with uh, about this letter that I've been doing for to, to send to, say, vote Lib Dem in some places. I said, you know, WTF uh, is this? Is it? Oh, this went to print a month ago under the I- original MRP information from YouGov when this case was valid before Brexit Party stood down, which dramatically changed the projections since then. Blah 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 blah. Now I can't believe. I'm about to say, come on now, that's that, sure. Uh, <laughs> yes, and, and you know, so that sort of. But you see, this is the other thing that was no doubt happening in Kensington, and I and you know, I was in Scotland yesterday, and it's definitely happening in some of these. It's very hard to get people who've spent most of their life campaigning against a party suddenly to say, mm. you should vote for that party. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, no, completely. Um, so in those parties, I think in Kensington, you know, and, and then you get, you know what this is like because you've been involved in this campaign. You get into a campaign mindset and you just can't let go. Yeah. If you think you can win. But I hope what happens... I thought um, if you were giving positive FFS awards, I'd give one to Tim Walker, my new European colleague. Uh, I, read, I read his letter. I read yeah, his letter that went to Canterbury out, residence. He, he was the Lib Dem. When he, when he first announced he was standing, I said to him, I said, Tim, what are you doing? You know, Rosie Duffield is the only person who can win here, who can beat the Troy. He said, yeah, but I want to give it a go and see what happens. And, da, da, da. Hmm. and then, you know, to his credit, he went there, realised 
that the only impact of him having a good campaign would be to get a Brexit Tory MP. So not only has he pulled out, he's now endorsed her. Yeah. Now, and I thought that might be the start of something. Mm. I thought maybe a Labour candidate would do the same. Maybe the leaders would start to indicate this would be a sensible thing to do. And none of that is happening. It's so depressing. It is depressing, isn't it? And on that depressing note, yeah. but, but a nice one, actually, uh, but in terms of Tim Walker, and I read his letter, and I thought it was very moving, actually. Mm. Um, we will end it there. Thank you very much, Alistair, My for pleasure. your time. Thank you for having us. Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Sorry that I was late uh, Don't worry, to, to see you. Um, <laughs> you can blame the TFL. As I said to Amanda earlier, I don't do fury. I just, at some point, will get a very small, minor revenge. Well, and on that <laughs> note, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I'll speak to you soon. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So finishing this week on Onwards FFS, now there's only one week until polling day, but tomorrow in particular is quite an exciting day, isn't it, Richard? Yes, at the Mermaid Theatre in central London, uh, FFS will be joining a vote for a final say uh, with a bunch of cross-party figures, celebrities, big deals, Beanox, uh, all sorts of fun things going on, where we're basically going to be campaigning uh, at a large-scale event uh, to talk about why we need to vote tactically to stop a Johnson landslide. Now, obviously, we say this about every event we've ever done but this one probably genuinely really is not one to be missed as not only is it incredibly close to polling day but some of the figures we'll be speaking are low-key very impressive not least the wonderful ffs speaker young person articulate young person to be announced soon yeah keep uh, keep an eye on our social media for that and on the note of social media why else should people go and check out ffsakes.uk as well as us on facebook twitter and instagram what will we be talking about over the next week or so we've highlighted 17 seats where we think students and young people can have a disproportionate impact on the outcome of this election there's campaign days links to how you can get involved and clear ways where you can help make sure we do not face a johnson landslide on friday the 13th all of which would just be too horrible to imagine so definitely go and have a look and get involved quite right the time is short but our friends are many i don't know why i'm doing this (laughs) like this I think we're going to wrap it up there. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs> we're out. We're out of exile. FFS is back, 
and we'll be joining you for a podcast hopefully next week right before polling day. You don't sound bored at all. You sound very excited. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.